0: Welcome to this uvula audio presentation of John Doe and the Cherub by L. Frank Baum. Volume 5, Chapter 11, The Island Princess. With great dignity, John answered the Mifkit, I'm a gingerbread man, and this is my friend Cheek. We know what a man is. We know what a kid is. What's gingerbread? "'demanded another of the Mifkits. "'I am Gingerbread,' said John. "'We'll take your word for it,' growled the third creature, "'and then added, "'What are you doing here?' "'Standing still just now,' said John gravely. "'To his surprise, all three began laughing at this reply, "'and they seemed so greatly amused "'that one hit another a merry cuff upon the ear, "'which he in turn passed on to the third. "'But the third. The growling one turned suddenly upon John Doe and gave him such a sound cuff upon the side of his head that the blow dazed him for a moment. At this, Chick doubled two fat fists and ran at the queer mifkits so fiercely that they were greatly astonished at the angry buffets they received, and fell back a few steps from the path. Immediately John Doe recovered his wits and aimed a strong blow with the candy cane at the wild people of the forest. Much to his astonishment, it sent all three of them to the ground, tumbling one over the other. For so great was the energy and the strength lent to his gingerbread arm by the magic elixir that the Mifkis could not stand before it. Chick laughed merrily at the howls of their enemies, who quickly scrambled to their feet and leapt into the leaves of the giant plants, where they were hidden from sight. But the sound of their rapid retreat could be heard until it died away in the distance. Then the rabbit stuck its nose from the hole in which it had hidden, and said,
1: "'Bravely done, little one, bravely done, John, Doe. Yet I warn you to beware of these wicked miskits who will now consider you both their enemies.' "'I don't care,'
0: said Chick. "'And I am not afraid,' added John, who was quite pleased to find himself so powerful.
1: "'Well, let us continue our journey.' suggested Pitypat, for I want you to meet our sweet princess, but I advise you, whenever you meet with more than those mifkets, to try to be friendly with them. There are hundreds of them,
0: you know, and only two of you. That sounds like good advice, acknowledged John. Again they started along the path, and presently it led them out of the forest to another part of the shore of the island, where a rocky headland curved into the sea in the shape of a new moon, forming a very pretty bay on which floated a small boat at anchor. On the inner edge of this headland and facing the bay stood a tall plant whose broad, coloured leaves were bent downward to form a dome-shaped room, one leaf being turned up to make an opening that served as a door.
1: "'You must whistle at the door, and the princess will appear,' said Pitypat. "'I cannot talk to her as I do with you, Mr. Doe, so I'll leave you now and run home to tell my folks of the new friends I've found.'
0: With these parting words away darted the rabbit, and John and Chick shyly approached the novel palace of the Princess. Can you whistle, Chick? asked the gingerbread man, and the baby in reply made so shrill a sound through the puckered pink lips that John gave a start of surprise. Almost immediately a girl appeared in the doorway of the Plant Palace, and both John and Chick bowed low and then stood motionless to stare at the beautiful face that confronted them. For this mock princess of the Mifkits was quite the loveliest and sweetest maiden that any one has ever looked upon, and so round and innocent were her clear eyes, and so gentle and winning her smile, that to see her but once was to love her dearly. John did not marvel that the wild creatures of the forest had set this girl apart as too hallowed to become either their slave or companion, and he instantly accepted this shipwrecked waif as a real princess, and from that moment worshipped loyally at her shrine. Chick, standing solidly with brown feet spread wide apart, chubby fists clutching the last of the forest fruits, and tangled locks flowing carelessly around the laughing face, was a strong contrast to the little lady who advanced from the door with dainty steps to welcome the strangers. The princess wore a gown of woven leaves plucked from the island plants but so slight and graceful was her form that any sort of dress would be sure to seem fit and becoming if the maid wore it. "'Hello,' said Chick. "'We've come to see you.' "'I'm glad of
1: that,'
0: answered the girl in a soft voice, as she came close and kissed the
1: chair's rosy mouth. "'It has been dreadfully lonesome in this place, without
0: anyone to play with or to keep me company. "'May I inquire who you are?' This is John Doe, answered the cherub briefly, and I'm Chick.
1: I'm pleased to make your acquaintance, said the girl. They call me the princess, but that is in mockery, I'm sure. But are you
0: not treated as a princess? asked John.
1: Yes, and that is why I'm so lonely,
0: the girl replied sadly.
1: The naughty Mifkits have made my poor father and mother their slaves. And mock me by shutting me in this tree-house and calling it a palace and me a princess, but really, I am as much a slave as either of my dear parents. Can't you go out if you want to? asked Chick, Oh yes, but the island is small, and there is no one to play with except Pittipat, who is a white rabbit, and Perra Bruin, who is a bouncing
0: brown bear. What strange companions said John, I' have met Pittipat. "'and like the white rabbit very much. "'But the bouncing brown bear must be a dreadful creature.' "'Not at all, I assure you,' returned the girl earnestly.
1: "'Just wait until you meet him, "'and you'll see he couldn't hurt anyone if he would, "'and would not if he could.' "'That's all right,'
0: said Chick. "'But do the Mifkits intrigue you in any way?' asked John.
1: "'Oh, no. "'Until now they have done me no real injury whatever.' "'the princess answered. "'But their tempers are so hateful. "'I'm in constant fear of them. "'You must meet the Mifkits, of course, "'since you cannot leave this island, "'and you must obey them, as we all do. "'But perhaps, Mr. Doe, being made of gingerbread, "'will be treated with more respect than human
0: beings.' "'Or with less,' said John, with a shudder. Nonetheless, we will meet the Mifkits boldly, "'and I am not going to make myself unhappy "'by being afraid of them.'
1: "'Nor I. They're only beasts,' said Chick. "'Then, if you will please follow me, I will lead you to the king's village,' said the girl. "'And there you may see my father and my mother.'
0: "'Very well,' agreed John. "'But I must tell you that we have already encountered three of these creatures, "'and defeated them easily.' "'I pounded like sixty!' added the cherub with a nod and a laugh. The princess led them by a path deep into the forest, passing underneath the broad leaves of the plants, which was so thick that they almost shut out the daylight and made the way gloomy and fearsome. But before long, a big clearing was reached, and in the centre of which there was a rocky mound with a broad flat stone at the very top. All around were houses made by bending down the huge leaves of plants and fastening them to the ground with wooden pegs thus forming circular rooms none of these houses seemed quite so handsome as the palace of the princess but they were big and of many colours and when our friends stepped into the clearing a swarm of mifkit people crowded out of the doorways to surround the strangers and gaze upon them curiously upon the flat stone in the centre of the clearing reclined an aged mifkit who was lazily sunning himself and who seemed to pay no attention to the chattering of his fellows Yet it was toward this stone that the princess, after a half frightened look at its occupant, led her new friends, and all the Mifgits, big and little, followed them and formed a circle around them and the aged one. "'This is the king,' whispered the girl. "'Be careful not to anger him.' Then she knelt humbly before the flat stone that served as a throne, and John Doan knelt beside her but Chick stood upright and laughed at the sight of the lazy, Mifkat king reclining before them. The short, coarse hair that covered the head of the king was white, proving him to be very old, and his raiment was woven of pure white leaves, distinguishing him from all the others of his band, but he was not especially dignified in appearance. Hearing the murmur around him, the king slowly rolled his fat body over and sat up, "'rubbing his eyes to clear them with the cobwebs of sleep. "'Then he looked upon John and Chick and gave a grunt. "'Immediately a little man rushed out of a dwelling "'just back of the throne "'and hurried to the king with a gourd filled with water. "'This the aged Mifkit drank greedily, "'and while he was thus occupied, "'the princess grasped the hand of the little man "'and pressed it affectionately. "'This
1: is my father,'
0: she whispered to John Doe and Chick. The little man seemed fussy and nervous, but perhaps this was caused by the fear in which he constantly lived. There was little hair upon his head, but he wore chin whiskers that were bright red in colour and luxuriant in growth, and harmonised nicely with his light blue eyes. He wore a faded and ragged suit of blue clothes, to which he had doubtless clung ever since the days when he had been shipwrecked and cast upon the island. John was about to express in polite words his pleasure in meeting the father of the princess, when the king, having finished drinking, suddenly flung the gourd at the little man's head. He ducked to escape it, and the gourd struck the forehead of a big mifkit just behind, and made a sound like the crack of a whip. At once the big mifkit, who was remarkable for having black hair upon his head instead of the dingy brown that was common to all the mifkits, uttered a roar of rage, and aimed a blow at the bald head of the luckless slave. But the little man ducked this blow also, and then scampered away to the royal dwelling as fast as his thin legs could carry him. "'Let em go,' said the king, speaking sleepily in the Mifkit language. Then he turned to the black one and asked, "'Who are these creatures, Obo? and how came they here?' "'I don't know,' answered black Obo sulkily. The girl brought em. Perhaps I can explain, said John Doe, speaking in their language. My friend Cheek and I arrived here but a short time ago in a flying machine, which unfortunately broke down and prevented us from getting away again. The Mifkets looked at the gingerbread man in astonishment, not because they had any idea what a flying machine might be, but to hear their own language spoken by so queer a personage filled them with amazement. Are you one of those miserable creatures called humans? asked the king, blinking his eyes at the gingerbread man. I cannot in truth claim to be precisely human, replied John, but it is certain that I possess a degree of human wisdom. It comes from the elixir, you know. What are you made of? demanded the king, who was certainly puzzled by John's words. Now the gingerbread man realized that if he told the Mifkets. He was good to eat. He would soon be destroyed, so he answered. I made of a kind of material known only to civilized men. In fact, I am very different from all the rest of the world. The king didn't understand, and when he didn't understand, it made him very tired. Oh, well, he said, lying back in the sun. Just make yourself at home here, and see you don't bother me by getting in my way that might have ended the interview had not black oboe scowling and angry stepped forward and said if the stranger is to live with us he must fight for the right to live in peace it's our custom your majesty so it is returned the king waking up again the stranger must fight at this decision all the mifkits howled with delight and chick and the princess began to be uneasy about their friend but John said calmly, I have never fought with anyone, your majesty, but I will do the best I can. With whom must I fight? Why, with Black Obo? I suppose, said the king. And if you can manage to give him a sound thrashing, you know I'll be your friend for life. Obo scowled first at the king and then at John, and all the other mifkits scowled with him for the black one was seemingly a great favourite among them. "'Whatever material you may be made of, bold stranger,' he said, "'I promise to crush you into bits and trample you into dust.' Then the crowd, having pressed backward, the black Mifkit sprang upon the gingerbread man, with long hairy arms outstretched as if to clutch him. But John was quicker than his foe. He grasped Oboe about the waist, lifted him high in the air, big and heavy though he was, and flung him far over the throne, whereon the king squatted. The black one crashed into the leaves of a forest plant and then tumbled to the ground, where he lay still for a moment to recover from surprise and the shock of defeat. The rabble of Mifkeths did not applaud the fall of the champion, but they looked upon the gingerbread man with wonder, and the king was so pleased that he laughed aloud. "'Well done, stranger,' he said, "'Old needed to be taken down a couple of pegs, and you did it nicely. Now get away, all of you. Leave me to go to sleep.' He proceeded to curl himself up once more upon the flat stone, and the Mifgids obeyed his command, and stole away to their dwellings. John advanced to where Chick and the Princess stood, and the cherub patted him on the hand and said, "'I didn't have any idea you could do that, John.' Wasn't it lovely, Princess, to see him toss
1: that black beast like a football? I'm glad your friend won the fight, answered the girl. But black oboe is a dangerous enemy, and the king is afraid of him. Now come with me, please. I want you to meet my dear mother, who was unfortunately degraded to the position of the king's cook.
0: They entered with the princess into the royal dwelling, where a woman quickly seized the girl in a warm embrace and kissed her tenderly. When Chick managed to get a full view of the woman, she was seen to be nearly as round as an apple in form, with an apple's rosy cheeks, and with cute corkscrew curls of an iron-grey colour running from her ears down to her neck. When her daughter entered, she had been busily engaged cooking a vegetable stew for the king's dinner. She didn't dare to pause long enough at her work for fear of the king's anger, Chick was dreadfully sorry for these poor shipwrecked people, thus compelled to be slaves to the fierce Mifkits, and hoped they might find some way to escape. The little man with the red whiskers presently crept in and joined them, and they had a long talk together and tried to think of a plan to leave the island, but without success. Yet John encouraged them to believe a way would soon be found, and they all had great confidence in his ability to save the entire party for he had proved himself both wise and powerful. While they were still talking, the king rolled his fat body into the dwelling and demanded his dinner, at the same time ordering the princess to get back to her own palace and stay there. But he favoured John Doe by sending him several of the Mifkits to build a dwelling for the gingerbread man and the incubator baby, just beside that of the little princess, which pleased all of them very much. The next morning, the little princess came to the door of the new dwelling built for Chick and John Doe, and said,
1: Let us take a walk, and I will show you how beautiful our island is in those parts where there are no mifkits to
0: worry us. So together the three walked along the shore until they drew near to a high point of rock, the summit of which was reached by a winding path. When they had climbed up the steep incline, the princess had to stop to rest, for she was not strong and seemed to tire easily. While they sat upon some rocks, a big brown bear came out of a cave and stood before them.
1: Don't be afraid,
0: whispered the princess.
1: He won't hurt us. It's Perra Bruin.
0: Chapter 12 Perra Bruin, the Rubber Bear The bear was fat and of monstrous size, and its color was a rich brown. It had no hair at all upon its body, as most bears have, but was smooth and shiny. He gave a yawn as he looked at the newcomers, and John shuddered at the rows of long white teeth that showed so plainly. Also he noticed the fierce claws upon the bear's toes, and decided that in spite of the rabbit's and the princess's assurances, he was in dangerous company. Indeed, although Chick laughed at the bear, the gingerbread man and grew quite nervous as the big beast advanced and sniffed at him, curiously, almost as if it realized John was made of gingerbread, and that gingerbread is good to eat. Then, it held out a fat paw as if desiring to shake hands, and not wishing to appear rude, John placed his own hand in the bear's paw, which seemed even more soft and flabby than his own. And the next moment, the animal threw its great arms around the gingerbread man and hugged him close to its body. At this, John gave a cry of fear, although it was hard to tell which was more soft and yielding, the bear's fat body or the form of the gingerbread man. "'Stop that!' he shouted, speaking the bear's language. "'Let me go instantly. What do you mean by such actions?' The bear, hearing the speech, at once released John, who began to feel himself to see if he had been damaged by the hug. "'Why didn't you say you were a friend and could speak my language?' asked the bear in a tone of reproach. "'You know well enough I was a friend since I came with the princess,' retorted John angrily. "'I suppose you would like to eat me just because I am gingerbread.' "'I thought you smelled like gingerbread,' remarked the bear. "'But don't worry about my eating you. I don't eat.' "'No? Why not?' asked John, surprised. Well, the principal reason is I'm made of rubber. Rubber? exclaimed John. Yes, rubber. Not gutta percha, you understand, nor any cheap composition, but pure para rubber of the best quality. I'm practically indestructible. Well, I declare, are your teeth rubber also? said John, who was really astonished. To be sure. Acknowledged the bear, seeming to be somewhat ashamed of the fact. "'But they appear very terrible to look at, don't they? "'No one would suspect. "'They would bend if I tried to bite with them.' "'To me they are terrible in appearance,' said John, "'at which the bear seemed much gratified. "'I don't mind confiding in you, "'who are a friend and speak my language, "'that I am harmless as I am indestructible.' "'but I pride myself upon my awful appearance, "'which should strike terror into the hearts of all beholders. "'At one time, every creature on this island feared me "'and acknowledged me as their king. "'But those horrid Mifkits discovered I was robber "'and have defied me ever since. "'How came you to be alive? "'Was it the Great Elixir?' asked John. "'I've never heard of the Great Elixir,' and I've no idea how I came to be alive. My earliest recollection is that I was living in much the same way that I am now. Do you remember when you were not living? No, replied John. This conversation, which she could not at all understand, surprised the princess very much. But She was glad to see that the rubber bear and the gingerbread man had become friends, and so she took Chick's hand and led the smiling cherub up to where they stood.
1: "'This is my new friend,
0: whose name is Chick,' she said to the bear, for the girl was accustomed to talking to Perra Bruin, just as she would to a person. "'And you must be just as good and kind to
1: Chick as you have been to me, my dear Perra, or I shall not love you any more.'
0: The Perra gave the princess a generous hug, and then hugged Chick. But the words the girl had spoken seemed to puzzle him, for he turned to John and said, Why do you suppose so many different languages were invented? The Mifkits speak one language, and you and I speak another, and the princess and chick speak still another, and it's all very absurd, for the only language I can understand is my own. I can speak with and understand the princess and the Mifkits as well as I can speak with you, declared John. The bear looked at him admiringly. If that's so, then tell me what the princess said, just now. So John translated the girl's words into bear language, and when Perra heard them, he laughed with delight. Tell the princess I'll be as good to her friend Chick as possible, he said, and John at once translated it so that the princess understood.
1: That's nice, she said. I knew Perra would be friends with Chick, and now ask the bear to bounce for us. He does
0: it often. And it's a very interesting sight. So John requested the bear to bounce, which he at once agreed to do, seeming to feel considerable pride in the accomplishment. From the point upon which they stood, the hill descended in a steep incline toward the forest. and At the bottom of the hill was a large flat rock. Curling himself into a ball, the great bear rolled his body down the hill, speeding faster every moment, until he struck the flat rock at the bottom then he bounded high into the air in the same way that a rubber ball does when thrown down upon a hard pavement, and made a graceful backward curve until he reached the top of the hill again, where he bounced up and down a few times, and then stood upright and bowed before the gingerbread man and the gleeful cherub, who was rapturously delighted by the performance. "'Great act, isn't it?' asked Perabruin, grinning with pride. "'No ordinary bear could do that, I assure you, "'and it proves the purity and high grade of my rubber.' "'It does indeed,' declared John. "'I am greatly pleased to have met so remarkable and talented a bear.' "'You must visit me often,' said the bear, making a dignified bow. "'It's a great treat to hear my own language spoken, "'for I am the only bear upon the island, "'and I don't have any visiting cards. "'But my name is Para Bruin." and you are always welcome at my cave. I'm called John Doe, said the gingerbread man. I cannot claim to be indestructible, but while I last, I shall be proud of your friendship, and I will bring the children to visit you often. Try to teach them my language, suggested Pere Bruin, for I love children, and have often wished I could talk with them. As for the little princess, all the island people love her dearly, except, of course, the Mifkits, and we all worry more or less over her health. She's weak and delicate, you know, and her life here is made so unhappy by the separation from her parents, I'm afraid she won't be with us very long. He wiped a tear from his eye with a puffy paw and glanced affectionately at the girl. What's the matter with her? asked John anxiously. No strength and vitality. She's failing every day. "'and there isn't a drugstore or a doctor on the island. "'But don't tell her whatever you do. "'Perhaps she doesn't realize it, "'and the knowledge would only make her more unhappy.' "'Then the bear, who seemed remarkably tender-hearted, "'trotted with bouncing footsteps into his cave "'so that the little princess for whom he grieved "'might not see the tears that stood in his rubber eyes.' After that, John and Chick and the princess started to return to their dwellings by means of a shortcut through the forest, known to the girl. John was feeling very contented in the companionship of the two children, and reflected that in spite of the Mifkits, his life on this beautiful island bade fair to be pleasant and agreeable. But his content was suddenly interrupted by the cherub, who gave a loud cry and pointed excitedly into the forest. The gingerbread man had cast but one look when he began to tremble violently, for before him, only a few paces away, stood his bitter and relentless enemy, Ali Dub, the Arab, at last said Ali Dub, smiling most unpleasantly, "I have found you, John was too agitated to reply, but Chick asked boldly, "How on earth did you get to this island? My means are the witch, the Arab replied. I purchased from her two transport powders. One transported me to the Isle of Freaks, and when you then escaped me, the other powder transported me here. But I cannot allow the gingerbread man to escape me again, because I have no more powders, nor anywhere to reach the witch who makes them. So, my dear John Doe, please accept your fate, and permit me to eat you at once. That I cannot do, said John firmly. For I am eaten, that will be the end of me. How selfish, exclaimed the Arab, who are you to be considered before Ali Dub, son of a mighty sheik, chief of an ancient tribe of the desert. Remember, sir, that when I have eaten you, I shall gain for myself the priceless powers of the great elixir contained in your gingerbread, and will thus become the most powerful, most intelligent man in the world, besides living forever. And dare you, sir, allow your selfish motives to interfere with so grand a result? Yes, I dare, replied John, but you have nothing to say about it. Continued the Arab, you are not your own master, you belong to me, for I purchased you from Jules Grogrand the baker, who made you, and I am therefore entitled to eat you whenever I please. Nevertheless, answered John, I will not be eaten if I can help it. "'That is so unjust,' protested the Arab. "'If to be unjust is to be eaten, you need not look at me for justice. "'I may be wrong in this decision, but it is better to be wrong than to be nothing,' said John. "'Then,' replied Ali Dub, sadly, "'you force me to eat you without your consent, which it will grieve me to do.' With this he drew his terrible knife and sprang upon John Doe with great ferocity. But in the recent encounter with Black Oboe, the gingerbread man had learned how powerful the elixir made him, so he did not run this time from the Arab, but avoided the thrust of the knife, and caught the body of Ali Dub in a strong clasp. The next moment he had lifted him up and tossed him high into the air, as easily as he had tossed the mifket. The Arab alighted in the top branches of a tall, scarlet plant, and clung to them in great fear lest he should fall to the ground and be killed. Indeed, so frightened was he that he uttered screams of terror with every breath and forgot all about eating John Doe in the more important thought of how he might reach safety. "'Let's run!' exclaimed Chick, grasping John's hand. "'Don't mind the Arab. If he falls, it's good enough for him.'
1: "'The Mifkits will rescue him, I'm sure,'
0: added the Princess.
1: "'See,
0: there come some of the creatures now, with black oboe at their head.' Hearing this John hesitated no longer, but fled down another path with the children, and soon left the sound of Ali Dub's cries far behind him. That evening when John came out of his tree house to watch the sunset, he found Pity-Pat, the white rabbit sitting before his door. I've news for you, my friend,
1: began the rabbit in a grave voice. Black oboe. And the Arab, who wanted to eat you, have become fast friends together, and they are determined to
0: destroy you." "'How did you know that the Arab wants to eat me?' asked John.
1: "'I was hidden among the plants when you met and heard you talk. You must look out for Obo, and the Arab, or they will surely do you a mischief, for the Mifkis now know that you are good to eat.'"
0: "'It's kind of you to warn me,' said John. But can you tell me of any way to escape from this island, good pity Pat?
1: Not at present,
0: returned the rabbit,
1: but our prince is very wise indeed, and I will ask him what is best to be done. In the meantime, you must keep away from your enemies as much as possible.
0: With these words, the rabbit sprang into a low bush and disappeared, leaving John Doe to sad reflections upon his dangerous position in this lonely island.